Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about probably one of the most iconic horror films of all time. It is a slasher movie that inspired slasher movies galore. It was released exactly today, 60 years ago. And I'm talking about Psycho. So stay tuned. I promise you on the Dr. Zeus podcast, a show all about Psycho. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus podcast. On June 16th, 1960, 60 years ago, Psycho premiered at the DeMille Theater. And then it was released wide on September 8th, 1960. Today is the 60th anniversary of Psycho. Here are five unsettling facts about the Hitchcock classic on its 60th anniversary. Are we ready? Psycho's no late admissions policy. Upon the theatrical release of Psycho in 1960, Hitchcock orchestrated a no-late-admissions policy to preserve the film's plot twists and avoid any confusion regarding the screen time of top-billed star Janet Leigh. To add to the publicity for this decision, a cutout of Hitchcock was featured in theater lobbies with this message. The manager of this theater has been instructed at the risk of his life, not to admit to the theater any persons after picture starts. Any species attempts to enter by side doors, fire escapes, or ventilating shafts will be met by force. The entire objective of this extraordinary policy, of course, is to help you enjoy Psycho more. Alfred Hitchcock Psycho, the the shower scene. I I think all of us have seen the shower scene, the infamous shower scene. It's about three minutes long. It includes 50 cuts and 77 different camera angles, most of which occur during the scene's brief confrontation. Hitchcock's bloody black and white film. Although Hitchcock had been making color films for over a decade, he returned to black and white in 1960 for Psycho. This decision led to a creative choice regarding blood, which features most prominently in the shower scene, but also makes other appearances in the film. Hitchcock elected to go with Hershey's chocolate syrup as a substitute for blood, because in black and white, the dark syrup gave off a bolder, more vivid appearance than a red liquid. The dead eye effect. At the conclusion of the shower scene, I hope some of you have seen it since 60 years old. The camera tracks away from an extreme close-up of Janet Lee, still lifeless eye. But in reality, Lee's pupils were still contracted. After seeing the film, ophthalmologists contra- contacted Hitchcock to inform him that he could achieve a true dead-eye effect. The appearance of dilated pupils by using belladonna drops. He used the effects when needed in his films thereafter. Roberts Blotch's Psycho novel and Ed Gein. Psycho was based on the 1959 novel of the same title by author Blotch. His book, meanwhile, was loosely inspired by real-life murderer and gave engraved robber Ed Gein, who lived only a short distance away from the Blotch estate in Wisconsin. 
Along with Psycho's Norman Bates, Gein was a real was a real murderer with a disturbing preoccupation with his deceased mother. Gein was also a blood body snatcher who was caught with evidence of a human trophy collection. Disturbing. And those are the five, you know, unsettling factoids of the movie Psycho. Um, I watched the film a couple of years ago on, I think it was close to a Halloween night. I'd never seen it. You know, I'd always heard different stories about Psycho. You know, in fact, it wasn't until 2000 or 1998, Janet Leigh was featured in Halloween H2O, you know, the 20th anniversary of Halloween. And she had the same car that she had in Psycho that she gets into. She was playing a teacher or a headmistress or something. And she was talking to her real-life daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis. And isn't it interesting? Psycho premieres, you know, September 8th, 1960. And decades later, her daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, would also star in a slasher movie, Halloween. So you have these two icons of the genre. And I should know because Janet Lee, her alma mater, was um, in San Joaquin Valley, where I live, at, um, uh, at, at the University of Pacific. And Jamie Lee Curtis also went there. So they have San Joaquin County ties. Now, Psycho... I remember my grandmother telling me that she couldn't take a shower for a while after watching Psycho, that she had to take a bath, you know, and it it really, it disturbed people, especially for that time, but you look at um, what Alfred Hitchcock achieved, and his daughter, whom I believe is still alive, let's see, Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock died in 1980. I think at the age of 81. Yeah. Same year I was born. Yeah, he was 80. His only child. Let's see here. Patricia Hitchcock, who is still alive today at the age of 92. Patricia Hitchcock said famously in an AFI interview, his, her father didn't make films for the critics. He made them for the people, for the audience. That's really knowing your audience right there. Um, the brief history, though, well, it's not brief, but the long history of Alfred Hitchcock is, a lot of people don't realize is he was doing British movies, and then he came over here to make Rebecca, and he was not allowed to make, for you know, final cut decisions that was the producer's decision which happened to be um what was his name um not cecil b demille um he was also the producer of gone with the wind um his name right now escapes me <laughs> well what happened was is that you know Hitchcock and um, David O. Selznick, that was his name, had a very um, difficult relationship. And David O. Selznick always got credit for the movies that Hitchcock directed. And then in 1947, or was it 46? 1946, I believe. Yes. Um, 
David O. Selznick was going to do Duel in the Sun, and it was over budget, and he looked for something to sell, and he sold the rights that he had to Notorious. And what that did is that freed Alfred Hitchcock from his relationship, his working relationship with David O. Selznick. And from then on, Hitchcock got his, you know, final cut. He had casting decisions and he even got production. With David O. Selznick, he didn't get that. So we could say that Notorious, starring Ingrid Bergman, and Cary Grant is the first truly Hitchcockian film. And from then on, Alfred Hitchcock, be, you know, he was the master of mystery, the master of horror, you know, from um, Rear Window, you know, to um, Ver- Vertigo is so disturbing, to uh, North by Northwest. Oh, my goodness. The plane scenes. And see, that's why we talk about Hitchcock. The birds. The birds, to me, is a little cheesy. But not how the birds kind of, you know, en- enact their revenge. It's almost like something out of Jaws. And, of course, you know Hitchcock inspired Steven Spielberg. If you look at Jaws and how the shark doesn't show up till later. Okay. Or aliens. How the alien doesn't show up till later. We always see, like, you know, we hint at the alien. And and that's what Hitchcock did, you know. And we could say that Psycho is his Pierre Resistance. You know, it is his masterpiece. And in 2001, the American Film Institute used to do these lists. And these lists were great because, you know, you could debate them. You would watch them with your family. And then you would sit back and say, is that really the number one film of that genre or of that era. The number one um, thrilling film of all time, because it was, I think it was called Heart Pounding Chills and Thrills, was Psycho. The second one was The Exorcist. So to have something like that, for The Exorcist to be number two and for Psycho to be number one, that is truly justice. And that is justice to the character of Alfred Hitchcock. Now, a lot of actresses didn't like Alfred Hitchcock. I'm, I'm sure they found him a little creepy. But, you know, we're talking about the man's art. You know, he perfected his art at the beginning of the 1900s, going to Germany and looking at what everyone was doing in terms of film. A lot of the great filmmakers were from Germany. This is before... Um, Nazism came to power and a lot of them left because a lot of the the German filmmakers were of Jewish Jewish descent. That included um, uh, Marlena Dietrich's director um, Joseph von Sternberg. Okay. So Joseph von Sternberg you know he fled Germany and that's where Hitchcock met his wife, Alma Reville, who was with him until the end of his life. And Alma and him, you know, they made a lot of decisions together in terms of these films. Psycho stands the test of time. For the rest of her life, that's what Janet Lee was recognized for. That's the only time she was ever nominated for an Academy Award. And what Janet Lee did 
We could also say inspired another slasher film that came out in the 90s called Scream. You think of Scream. Who's the biggest star in that movie? Drew Barrymore. What happens to her? She gets taken out first. So you look at Psycho. Here is Janet Lee. Janet Lee is a big, big star. And she's the first to die in Psycho. And then you look at the, the awkwardness and the weirdness and the mysteriousness of Anthony Perkins' character, Norman Bates. And it isn't until we learn the truth that that in itself is truly a shock. And, you know, um, you have the detective following him. You have um, Marion Cranes, because that's the, the, the character's name in Psycho that Janet Lee is playing, is Marion. Remember, she makes off with that money because her and her boyfriend are going to start a new life. Very good looking boyfriend. And her sister, you know, she goes missing and, you know, they have a heck of a time looking for her. And the one person who saw her last was the Anthony Perkins character. Okay. Now, in the film, it's suggested that his mother is controlling him. And I'm not going to ruin that for you because that is the moment you have to watch for yourself. You would think this movie is 60 years old. I know, though, there are some of you who have not seen it yet. And I encourage you to see it. Um... What really sparked me talking about this was I was listening to Strombo on the radio and he mentioned this and I'm a big film buff. I almost became a filmmaker. You know, people like Alfred Hitchcock, Stanley Kubrick, um, you know, Steven Spielberg, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino. For me, though, it was always about Kubrick. Kubrick was truly, you know, he'd make these films that were so mysterious. They would fuck with you, you know. Um, I mean, you know that's pretty good when Stephen King, probably one of the greatest living writers of all time, um, was so pissed off by how The Shining came out that he decided to make his own version in a TV movie. And I mention that because now... They're coming out with the remake of The Stand in December on CBS All Access. And Stephen King was approached to change the ending because he always had a problem with the ending of The Stand. That's truly power right there, is that the writer had an issue with the original ending, okay? Whether it's going to be the book ending or the film ending, okay? And a lot of them were inspired by Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock was a very peculiar character. And he truly was an oddball and eccentric. And I remember watching that AFI program with my family about almost 20 years ago. And they really got into the discussion, you know, that they knew Psycho was the number one thriller of all time. So it really, it, it, the fact that it was number one didn't surprise them. You know, I, there's a lot of people who haven't seen Psycho. I encourage you to watch it. Here's the thing. If you liked, um, you know, the slasher movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Jason, you know, um, Friday the 13th, you're going to love Psycho. Because Psycho really started it all. 
And then you got Anthony Perkins playing Norman Bates. Wasn't even nominated for it and truly should have been nominated. You know, this is this is Alfred Hitchcock at his best. And 60 years later, we're still talking about this film. That says a lot. That says about the testament of film, of Alfred Hitchcock. You know, we he's been parodied. And he's been duplicated, but you, you know, or not, he's been imitated, but never duplicated. I, I said it wrong. You know, I'm, I'm going to leave that in. Um, but yeah, even the way he spoke, he spoke like this. For tonight's program, we're going to watch a film about mystery, intrigue, and murder. And as always, unpleasant dreams. Good evening. I wanted to add some more stuff to the Dr. Zeus podcast. I usually don't do this. But I want to also talk about the Psycho theme by Bernard Herrmann and the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Because years later, it was duplicated for Buster Rhymes, Give Me Some More. Okay? But then there is another thing that a lot of people may or may not know. There is a very famous song written by a very famous band who has said that they copied the psycho theme, the sounding of it, for a very kind of dreary pop song about all the lonely people. Where do they all go? And I'm talking about Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles, one of their number one hits. Paul McCartney has said that they did copy the psycho theme for Eleanor Rigby. Not not verbatim, because, you know, they were never taken to court for it, because, you know, that was a different time. So, you know, I have all of this vast amount of knowledge in my head and I like to display it on the Dr. Zeus podcast. So I thought I better put that in. I don't want to edit it in, you know. So here we go. As always, unpleasant dreams. We also should give a nod to Elvira, who used to show a lot of slasher films. That's why I always say unpleasant dreams. Unpleasant dreams.